Here we go. You are now listening to Random Rambling with Rock. Get ready for some random shit from Rob Now everybody stand up and lift your arms Put your hands in the sky like you're pinching stars Go piss on Mars! What? It's so random, it's all gravy The podcast is Rob's, yeah, go crazy Yup And all kind of shit like that That's what Rob says when he runs off track Fun fact, tuck that in your brain Fuck that, nutsacks, we act insane And the fast lane's still smooth like butter Rob, dude, you want Last brother. Motherfucker. You might hear that about every other word, but who's keeping camp? The ramblings get so random, what's happening? I'm babbling so much you can't handle me. Chattering teeth sound like a battle axe bashing the beat. Don't laugh when I speak, cause really, we're just some idiots. I ain't talking about a little bit, I'm talking fully illiterate. Like little kids trapped in a grown man's body, acting a fool like Lindsay Lohan party. Like it's a part of your life, we party all night. Blackout, that's how we party it right. Hit the Walmart, cause we bored as shit. Instagram and upload the vid. <laughs> look at it, look at it. Rob hanging out in the Walmart for no reason, just Instagramming, he got his phone out, walking around looking at himself like, hey look at me, I'm walking through Walmart. It's so random, Rob. It's so random, random. but that's what we love. Random ramblings with random Rob. Ramblings. Random ramblings. Motherfucking, random freaking ramblings. motherfucking. Random ramblings. Random ramblings. Random ramblings. Blah, 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 blah. What up, everybody? This is your boy B-Rob and I'm back. I almost lost myself for a minute. I forgot who I was for a second, (laughs) but I'm back with another edition of the Random Rounds with Rob podcast. First and foremost, I'd like to thank you, the listener, for coming back each and every week or however you listen to podcasts. If you're a brand new listener, I honestly and truly appreciate you giving my show a try. If anybody recommended you to me, give them a crisp high five if you're in their vicinity or do it virtually through your um, multimedia app of choice yeah snapchats your instagrams your uh, snapchat premiums if you're that type of friend um is, is it premium or is it i don't know what the fuck they call it anyway i haven't used snapchat in years um i have another guest with me this edition of the random rounds with raw podcast um the internet and the world surrounding is uh, a very random place to say the least and um I frequent a lot of uh, different podcasts, being that I am a podcaster myself, you know, for inspiration, entertainment and, uh, you know, other things. And um, there's one show in particular that I listen to, uh, the Who Will Win podcast, formerly hosted by uh, Jay Sandlin and uh, James Gaffney. James is still there, but uh, Jay's uh, no longer a part of the programming. And um, I knew this prior to, but I was told to, you know, keep it on the low. Don't say nothing to nobody. And everything, and I knew this shit was gonna happen. I knew it was gonna the show was gonna move forward without Jay, but I had no clue of uh, who was gonna replace him or if that spot was gonna be filled. So, you know, one day um, I tuned in, completely forgot that the shit was gonna happen or had happened or whatever, and I hear this voice and I'm like, well, "Who the fuck is this?" <laughs> and uh, it, it it just uh. It took me on a ride. It took me on a journey. This, this voice, it was loud. It was confident, even when it uh was was wrong in some points. But it would never let on to let you think that it was wrong. And um, to me, it was a mix of Rob Rickle and um, maybe Arlie Ermy with a little dash 
of uh, Sergeant Slaughter in there. That's how the voice sounded to me when I first heard it. But um, the voice that I speak of is um, one half or one third of uh, Knowing is After Battle podcast and now one half of the Who Will Win podcast. My guest joining me today is Race Decanus. Hey, Rob, how you doing? I, can I first off just say it's a little disappointing for you, uh, for me to hear from you that you think I've ever been wrong. I just, you're already starting off on the wrong foot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. I apologize. But I will agree with you. If it ever happened, I wouldn't let you know. Exactly. <laughs> and that, and that's what I dig about you. you you're confident in uh, whatever you're putting down in um, the battle zone and whatnot. And, um... Yeah, you just you just rule rule that area that area there. Well, I can say right now, you know, it, it is a real difficult thing to kind of step in as a complete unknown for a show that had already been going on, you know, a year and a half, like uh, the Who Would Win podcast or Who Would Win show, I should say. Yeah. And especially you got Jay Sandlin, who's so you know iconic in that role on that show, um, you know, doing what he does, and then to come in and know that you're going to do something totally different. Mm. Uh, uh, but still kind of follow the same steps, follow the same formulas. And I'm just uh, uh, so uh, uh, grateful and glad that uh, uh, people have uh, uh, embraced what I do and really let me come on board uh, as a new family member. And that, that really means a lot. Yeah. Um, before we dive a little bit deeper into the Who Will Win show and whatnot, let's uh, – Going back to your side of the house or whatever, you uh, are a podcaster like I am, but you uh, started out with the Knowing is Half the Battle podcast, or did you start out further back than that with a different show? I started even further back than that, and if we're going to talk about my past, mm-hmm. Rob, are you going to make me cry here today? Because I wasn't ready for that. Okay. <laughs> now, I started, um, it's so funny because I was aware of podcasts and I listened to podcasts for years. And I want to say it was 2015, mm-hmm. maybe even a little bit before that. Uh, I'd been talking with about wanting to do guesting on podcasts and say, uh, hey, hey, go on Facebook. Right? You know, I, I know a lot of podcasters. I know a lot of comedy people. And they're like, dude, I, I want to come on your show. Let's talk about a thing. Who cares what it is? Let's do this. Yeah. And and it's it's crazy because all these people are always now that I'm on the other side of that curtain, I know like how hard people scramble to find guests all the time. Oh, yeah. So obviously I must just be too much because uh uh I only got like one invite off of that begging for attention. Uh but the one comment that came from there that really stuck out to me and made me go, Huh, is why don't you just make your own podcast mm. since it seems like you want to do them so much? True. <laughs> And so I did. Um, I got together with, uh, and you might know him from the Who Would Win show. He's been a judge a couple of times, uh, Brett Pope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, at Soup's Pope on Twitter. Yep. Uh, he was my first podcast partner, which will explain why he's got a vendetta against me every single time he comes on as a judge. <laughs> oh, man. He likes to see me suffer both on the show we did and beyond. <laughs> um, but we did the Raisin Brent podcast. Uh, which was a sports talk, comedy, just, you know, mostly about sports. But we talked about uh, TV shows and pop culture and stuff, too. It's just a way to kind of get out there and give it a shot and learn how podcasting works. Mm-hmm. Um, we had all our comedy friends on, and it was a blast. Um, we haven't been doing that show for the last, I'd say, you know, a couple of years or so. 
Um, because I then, you know, after doing that for a few years, I think three years we did that show, uh, moved on to do the uh, Knowing It's Half the Podcast, which is the G.I. Joe recap show. Mm. Uh, and now we've actually spun it around because we did every mainstream episode of G.I. Joe. Yeah. So now, yeah, we did them all uh, and the movies. So, you know, now we're doing series two G.I. Joe and mixing in other 80s and 90s nostalgia cartoons. Just having a good time with it. Yeah. Now, th- that was going to be my question. You kind of explained it a little bit, though. But like um, when you have a podcast That's with, what I do. with a with a <laughs> with a theme like that, like G.I. Joe, you know that the show hadn't been around for mucho years so what would make you decide to theme your show around that knowing that you would eventually run out of content um it's funny because i still don't feel like we're ever gonna run out of content even though we've been doing it now for like three years yeah uh at least no this is season four so this is our fourth year of doing it um i I got together with uh, robert clark chan and he was a noted person who was into podcasts he had a show called the Pizza Games and Zombies podcast that I had guested on. And we talked about it for a while, and I'd say, I want to do a show. I think we could do a show together. Let's figure out what we're doing. And I kind of just, going way, way back, I used to run a blog where I would, uh, 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 like 10 years ago at least, I ran this blog where I would get really drunk, and then I would watch children's animated television, and then I would recap the episode um, on the blog. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, that, that kind of sowed the seeds of, Hey, why don't we watch these old nostalgic cartoons? See if they hold up, you know, pos- if possible, meet the people who are behind it, meet the people who made it yeah. and talk about it. So, you know, we've had some like, uh, voice actors and writers of GI Joe on the show. Um, quite a few times on Knowing It's Half the Podcast. And, and G.I. Joe was my favorite cartoon growing up. I should start there also. Yes. So if we were going to do a cartoon, I remembered it being crazy, just a crazy show full of wild, over-the-top characters and, and, and some good action. And I said, this is perfect to talk about. <laughs> now, now, maybe you can, um, since you are uh, well-versed in the universe of G.I. Joe and whatnot. Maybe you can jog my memory because I remember watching it as a kid as well. I used to watch it in the mornings before I went to school and whatnot, and I would catch, you know, certain, certain episodes here and there and whatnot. Um, Joe died, correct? But then they wrote it to where he came back. Well, you're talking about... Um Yes, no, and Joe is officially the name of the team. It's not any one particular guy. Yeah, whatever the dude name was, I forgot. Yeah, the movie uh, Duke. Yeah, he was like the leader of GI Joe through the entire first season, and he kind of took a step back in the second season as they tried to introduce new characters. Mm. Um, But he was still the leader of the team, so they always intended for him to get murdered in GI Joe the movie as a way to shock the audience. Yeah, and uh, you know, kill off a major character. And then to talk to the writers, what ended up happening was they had the idea, let's kill Duke. We're going to have this big momentous moment. Mm-hmm. And the people making the Transformers movie were like, that's a great idea. We're going to do that, except we're going to put our movie out first. <laughs> so the Transformers movie stole the idea of killing the leader of the team of the good guys, Optimus Prime in this case. And then they went and dropped the movie, you know, they scheduled to drop the movie first. So by the time the G.I. Joe, the movie, was ready to go, um, they'd already put out the Transformers movie, which did okay. And then the My Little Pony movie was the second one, and that didn't do very well at all. 
so the, the powers that be decided we're not going to drop the G.I. Joe movie in theaters. We're just going to syndicate it and release it on television. Yeah. And, and so this great moment that they really like crafted and they really wanted to have a deep impact, not only got, you know, one ups by the Transformers movie stealing the idea, but also it never actually was a movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, what did one of the ponies get killed too? That's why they kind of, oh man, we killing everybody. Oh. <laughs> Gosh, as far as I'm concerned, all the ponies got, got killed, but that's just me. I don't know. I'm crazy. Uh, what do you feel about the Care Bears? You know, we watched an episode of Care Bears for Knowing is Half the Podcast, and they're fine. Mm-hmm. They're fine. You know, you know, for what they are, they're a cartoon meant to appeal to, like, you know, six to nine-year-olds, and there's not really a lot of uh, conflict in there, yeah. and they'll, they'll deal with a big bad, and then they'll defeat him with the powers of, like, you know, hugs and stuff, and it's fine. <laughs> you know, you, if you don't, come, you don't come into the Care Bears expecting, you know, Macbeth. Right? Yeah, I got you. Yeah, I so mean, you get I, what you pay for. Yeah, I used to watch that shit all the time, man. And um, what yeah. was, what, what was the joint? Uh, they they made a cartoon of the doll, the freaking uh, Teddy Ruxpin. You ever got to see that? Well, you know what? That's one we have not watched for the show yet. A list that is quickly dwindling as the weeks go on. <laughs> um, Teddy, I, honestly, I don't know a lot about the Teddy Ruxpin cartoon. You know, one of my favorite things about doing the show. And especially when we went into kind of our season three, which was a whole crazy mess. Um, but thankfully we're through it and we didn't do like any GI Joe for season three. It was only other stuff. Mm-hmm. And what was great about it is people kept suggesting cartoons for us yeah. to watch. And so we have a list that's four dozen shows long, most of which I'd never heard of before. Exactly. But yeah. all of them are cartoons of the eighties and nineties. And I'll be honest, Teddy Ruck's been going on the list. Yes, you're, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah, because I can remember because like I, my neighborhood was uh, fortunate enough to have a corner store that uh, served multiple right. multiple purposes. Uh, one illegal gambling, which I didn't figure out until I was much older. Um, had a that's probably for the best. Yes, yeah, wind up being a pool hall. Then they got rid of that. Uh, turned into an arcade. Got rid of that. But um, the one time that it really changed, and it, um, I really loved that change that they made, um, it turned into a, a video rental service. So they had a little room in the back that you, oh, yeah. you can go there, you can rent uh, videos and everything. And that's where I found those uh, Teddy Ruxpin videos and everything. Because I never had the, the actual the doll that played the tapes and everything. I don't really recall. but That was for the other kids. Yeah. <laughs> so, so since I couldn't had a doll, I would have the cartoons. Yeah, I could watch that. Yeah, I feel that. I didn't, you know, I had a lot of GI Joe toys, um, but yeah, my parents were definitely not in a place where they were going to get me every single thing I wanted. Mm-hmm. So Teddy Ruxpin had to be a, a dream I had to let die. Now with the Teddy Ruxpin, though, what was cool about it? I did play with one, and. It didn't matter if you put the Teddy Ruxpin uh, story time tapes in there. You could put anything in there, and he would mouth the yep. words as best as he could. And I would put all kind of crazy shit. And I, I have Teddy Ruxpin singing too short and shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always, I always had a friend who wanted to uh, always would tell me he put the Ozzy Osbourne tape in there. Oh man, <laughs> all <aboard! laughs> That would be fucking great. Ah, damn. Well, Teddy Ruxpin was going off the rails. Well, shit. I mean, they re. From what I understand, I, I went to Target and I seen one. They re-released it, 
for you know now. Oh, I'm sure. And I don't understand how that will. I mean, it loses the I mean, the novelty of the thing because you can't put tapes in that motherfucker. I, I don't even really know how it works. I didn't examine it. I just seen it, and it looked weird. It kind of looked <laughs> like a Furby to me almost. Yeah, I don't, there's a whole, you know, this is a rabbit hole, but I've got very strong opinions about this whole nostalgia thing mm-hmm. and people saying, you know, Hollywood is out of new ideas. Of course. And I just blame, I just blame my generation, to be honest with you. I blame the Gen Xers yeah. because over the last X number of years, I'd say 10 years at least, mm-hmm. uh, the baby boomers have been slowly uh, uh, giving up those spots at the table to the next generation up and that's the baby boomers who are now, you know, uh, in their forties and fifties or not the baby, but the Gen Xers who are in their forties and fifties. And so they come to the table now and for whatever reason, they never came up with any ideas along the way. So whenever they get asked like, what, what should we do now? They always fall back to what they remember from when they were kids because apparently they just stopped growing and stopped dreaming at a certain age. And and this is my belief. So I cannot wait. Let me put this out there. I cannot wait until the millennials bump oh. out the Gen Xers at these boardrooms because then we're going to get some crazy stuff again and it's going to be awesome. But until yep. then, we have to sit through the 900th remake of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. Like seven-year-olds, eight-year-olds, I talk to them. These are my people. <laughs> they don't care about the Ninja Turtles. They think they're cool at all. Mm-hmm. But I bet you if they had their own thing that wasn't co-opting something from... 20, 30 years ago, mm-hmm. they'd probably be a lot happier. Yeah. Now, uh, what do you feel about this uh, vicious cycle that Disney is now inciting? They're taking all those classic cartoons that we used to have and now turning them into um, live action or uh, you know CGI animated films. Being somebody who lives in Los Angeles and works in the entertainment industry, you don't cross the mouse. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I love it. I love what Disney's doing. I am on board. Disney Plus, sign me up. Yes. Especially if the damn, um, from what I've heard, that they're going to bundle that with Hulu. Shit, I'm down for that. I'm already in. No, I'm uh, literally, if I could just start giving the money now, just to start getting used to it, I would do it. <laughs> um, that list that you was talking about, you know, of the cartoons and everything that people recommended. You know, what I mean, do you remember those? Off the, some of those off the top of your head, because I want to kind of bounce off of that too. Oh, see man. if there's anything that I remember. We've, you know, I get, you know, off the top of my head. I mean, uh, there, I don't have it in front of me, and I'm actually not the keeper of the list. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you, here's some of the cartoons that we did that came off that list. Okay. Uh, we did a show called Gilligan's Planet. Oh, okay. Gilligan's, you remember Gilligan's Island? Correct. Gilligan's Planet was a cartoon that they did with all the cast of Gilligan's Island, except that the professor had built a rocket ship to escape the island. They yeah, ended up traveling up. through space oh. and crash landed on an alien planet, and now they live there. <laughs> See that, that, and it's exactly what you think it would be. That's kind of like a, a blend of what you were saying earlier is like the baby boomers and the uh, Gen Xers kind yep. of got together. It's like, all right, I'm, here's some new shit with some old shit. <laughs> I'm not saying the Gen Xers are the only, uh, you know, generation that sort of lost their uh, uh, their imagination. But my goodness. Yeah. Uh, another one we watched was called Mummies Alive. What? 
Mummies Alive was in, basically this is when Thundercats and uh, Ninja Turtles and all that was starting to be a thing. I want to say it was late 80s, early 90s. They were like, well, mummies are a thing. Let's just, let's just do a show where it's like Ninja Turtles, but they're mummies. (laughs) And they're not young, but they hang out with people. I think I might have seen that at a glance. I'm yeah, not sure. the, ep- the episode we watched involved one of the mummies being really good at monster truck racing mm. and joining a monster truck. So all the monster trucks were shaped like animals and monsters. Uh-huh. And so, of course, there was a spell that happened that turned them into, into real. the real life versions of the things that they looked like. <laughs> Okay, okay. Did he happen to race in a coffin or something, a sarcophagus or some shit? Um, I, you know what? Maybe. I just All I remember I sort of got was just like a giant shark head on a thing that became a real shark head and tried to bite people, and that honestly, uh, that scared me a bit. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh-huh. Even today, that's a little terrifying. <laughs> oh, shit. So, I mean, people have been suggesting these cartoons. And the, the third one I'll mention uh, uh, oh, I got to mention this one. It's one of my favorites of all time. It's sort of an infamous cartoon. It's called a uh, cartoon All Stars to the Rescue. Hmm. And this was a double length cartoon that took place in the mid 80s. I want to say like 87. And it was an anti drug PSA sponsored by the Nancy Reagan people at the time. Mm-hmm. And so they took all the different cartoon characters across the networks, put them all together. So you had, you know, uh, Michelangelo from the Ninja Turtles. You had Alf, you had the Muppet wow. Babies, you had just everybody. Everybody was in there. Um, and they were all trying to help this kid who was, like, doing drugs. Damn, I had never seen that. That, that should have been, like, a oh, special on, or something. It's on YouTube, and it's wonderful. Okay. That, that kind of reminds me uh, of... Uh, I highly recommend it. Yeah, that kind of reminds me of the Hanna-Barbera uh, Hanna- Hanna- cartoons where they would do the uh, wacky races and everything and shit. Oh my gosh, Wacky Race is one of my favorite cartoons. Absolutely. Yeah, man. They had all them fucking Muttley and Snidely Whiplash and Captain Caveman and his <laughs> boy and all them motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I don't I don't partake in the substance, but uh if you have listeners out there that enjoy some recreation on their own time, if it's legal in your area, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, have some fun, watch that cartoon, uh All Stars to the Rescue. I think you get a kick out of it. Okay. Uh, I'll also have another recommendation if you can find it or if you have. I just want to see if you heard of it. It's called. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's a uh, Brave Star. Yeah, we just did an episode of Brave Star Sweet. like two months ago. All right, I'm going to go back and dig. I that, loved it. Mm-hmm. Brave I Star. I loved it. Speed of the Puma. Well, you know, I am the hawk. Yeah. <laughs> Strength of the the bear, bear or some something. shit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we watched an episode of Brave Star. It was wonderful. Like, it's what's crazy about the knowing is half the podcast and we, uh, um, uh, when we were doing, and we still mix them in with the G.I. Joes, um, cause we're on series two G.I. Joe right now, which are almost universally horrific. <laughs> they are, they really are an abomination that have very little to do with the G.I. Joe that we know and love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you listen to those episodes, there's a certain sadness that pervades them because I was a really a big fan of G.I. Joe growing up, but my two co-stars, one kind of watched it a little bit, didn't make a big impression on him. Mm-hmm. And then our third uh, co-host, Gina Ippolito, who's amazing, uh, she never watched it, barely had even heard of it. So we had three totally different perspectives coming in the yeah. show, which I think helped out a lot. And what makes me laugh is as much as they would complain about the weirdness of original G.I. Joe, 
when we get to series two, they're all like, can we go back to rewatching old episodes of GI Joe <laughs> to get this taste out of our mouth? Yeah, because um, but through all that, we've been watching. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, because I, I I was listening to it a little bit before we got on or whatever, and she was just talking about how like it was a familiar torture, and you know, you watch it long enough, it doesn't hurt as much anymore. That's right. If you get used to the water torture, you don't mind the water torture. <laughs> um, but we did. We watched the episode of Brave Star, um, and the, one of the great things I was about to say is that uh, uh, rewatching cartoons uh, when I was a kid now or checking out cartoons that I never bothered to give a chance to when I was a kid, there is some really, really good stuff out there kind of buried in all the massive amounts of content. It's it's fantastic. Brave Star, I 100% put on that list. Mm-hmm. You know, also, Thundar the Barbarian was a show I was not expecting a whole heck of a lot of mm-hmm. when we uh, when we were doing it. It was... Uh, it's the first post-apocalyptic show um, that, that, that I was I mean, even aware of. Like, I know Road Warrior and whatnot became a thing at a certain point, but, like, this was brought to the cartoon world for kids, and it's literally a destroyed Earth <laughs> with, like, mutants and, and you know, and, and the people. And it's just, it, it's magic powers, and, and I don't know. It's something about that show was so ahead of its time and so smart, because nowadays you look around, you know, in movies, video games, uh, TV, uh, post-apocalyptic stuff is just the jam. It's yeah. literally everywhere. Mm-hmm. This cartoon was doing it way before anybody was, and I really like. I really like felt the notes of that show a lot. Now, um, looking back on all the um, stuff that you were looking at to compare to current stuff, you know, just far as animation wise, where do you think sure. it took the turn, man? Because like, even in some of the recent stuff. Like um, I can remember Dexter's Laboratory. Um, I love the animation style of that show, and then um, it went away. Then it came back, and they kind of like cheapened the the design of it or whatever. It was just kind of like they they dumbed it down and made it simple or whatever. And it's kind of like um, yeah, I mean, how they did with uh, Teen Titans Go and Teen Titan, the original Teen Titans, how it looked more comic book based, and then now. You got Teen Titans Go look all, you know, bubbly and all kind of other crazy shit, you know? Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it ebbs and flows. I mean, you, you, you do get a little bit of for kids stuff that is, it does feel a little dumbed down a little bit. But when you compare it to the stuff for that same audience from 20, 30 years ago, it's not really that different. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, executives in boardrooms who decide these things will never cease to underestimate the intelligence of an American child. Okay. They're always afraid of doing stuff that's going to go over your head. I mean, you know, uh, the only difference, I suppose, is that uh, they're not relying as much on celebrities as to carry their shows as they did 20 and 30 and even 40 years ago. You know, for, for knowing it's at the podcast, we, we watched uh, the Robin Williams, Mork and Mindy cartoon. What? Which shared an hour with the Laverne and Shirley cartoon. What? They had cartoons? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And not only was it Mork and Mindy, but the rule for all those shows was you had to have, like, a talking dog. So um, <laughs> Mork and Mindy had a talking alien monster dog. What? And, like, uh, Gilligan's Planet, again, you know, based on, you know, old-timey characters, I think they also had, like, a, a, a not a talking dog, but a, an aware human-like dog. You know, it's just, this is just what you do. Oh, okay. So, you know, you, you talk about Teen Titans going kind of, like, bringing it down and, and going for a younger audience. And I guess I try to take a more broad look at it mm-hmm. because executives and, and people that make these decisions, they're not, 
you know, geniuses. They're just regular people yeah. who happen to have the position that they, that they do. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, God bless them. They got there, you know, get yours, you know. <laughs> but that being said, they're just as prone to making weird decisions as anybody else is. They're not infallible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when it talks about we need to make a show and we want this show to appeal to blank demographic, how do we do that? Oh, I know. We add in some, you know, fart jokes. We dumb down the animation so it's not as crisp. And uh, we make sure all the characters are childlike. Okay, great. Team Titans. Boom. There you go. You know? Yeah. Now, tell me. But at the same time, just to say, Garbage Pail Kids. Back <laughs> in the 1980s. <laughs> same stuff. You know? Man, how many of those stickers and cars did you have? I, I, I could be honest with you. I, I, can I be honest with you, Rob? Yes. Yes, you can. I feel like this is an honest show. Uh, I was terrified of there was a card and it was a character and, and there was a horrific looking child mm-hmm. and she was eating a, a, a house fly, a giant house fly with a knife and a fork. Yeah. And I cannot for the life of me remember this character, but I remember that picture upset me so much when I was seven years old or whatever it was that uh, I immediately swore off Garbage Pail Kids and, and, and I have a certain twisting in my stomach whenever we, whenever, <laughs> uh, whenever they would come up in conversation. Have you seen the movie? Well, sure. I mean, that's that's a natural part of all of our uh, self uh, uh, mutilation. <laughs> I can remember all them shits. I don't remember the character name specifically or whatever, but I had a um, my cousin or my nephew or whatever. I would go spend a night at their house and they had those stickers all on the back of their door and on their wall and shit. And I could just remember sitting there in the room playing Nintendo, looking up at these stickers and shit. And I'm just like, that's nasty as fuck. <laughs> ah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, and we would just throw, um, I'm knowing it's not the podcast, we just got a suggestion to do the Garbage Pail Kids uh, cartoon show, mm-hmm. which they made 13 episodes, and it never aired in the United States. And in fact, it was lost and buried for 16 years and didn't get rediscovered until 2002, I believe it was. And at that point, only went straight to video. So you can watch the, you can watch all this stuff on YouTube. YouTube for old cartoons is magical. Yeah. Uh, that and Daily Motion, I would I would plug both of those sites because they both really help us do the show that we do. Um, but yeah, the Garbage Pail Kids cartoon is just it's just bizarre. Like yeah. that one almost broke me because it was just so non sequitur and just they were just trying to be gross for the sake of being gross yeah. without you know jokes or story or characterization or mm-hmm. anything else it was just let's just drop some sort of weird green glob on somebody and call it comedy yeah uh, uh, yeah yeah I'm, I'm, not my favorite yeah i'm gonna I'm jump around a little bit but before i do um how do you feel about the freaking batman the animated series i mean it's i mean it's we're on record as saying this might be the greatest animated show of all time Mm-hmm. To me, that's where the conversation needs to begin. <laughs> <laughs> okay. there's, there's a certain high level of quality to the story writing. Uh, Paul Dini is the one, uh, uh-huh. uh, uh, in, like the executive producer, the, the, the showrunner, if you will. And he did not let that show slip at all. Yes. Uh, every person that he brought on was like, you know, wrote comic books or wrote cartoons at a high level. And just, it's just so sharp. And it just hits all the notes perfectly. And it's not. It's not dumbed down for kids, mm-hmm. but it's also not so adult that, you know, kids won't get it. It, it really is a perfect, perfect show. Yeah. Because, like, um, whenever anybody would ask me, who is your Batman? I would say uh, Michael Keaton. But 
Okay. Like, like if I if I was to see Batman and, and you know hear his voice in my head, I like to hear him talk. It would be Kevin Conroy. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's, that's when people talk about who's your Batman. Kevin Conroy is sort of the uh, uh, the under the radar quality response that I think nobody can argue with. Yeah, he he is Batman's I mean, voice I, to me. <laughs> yeah, no, and I get it. I totally. I mean, to be fair, my Batman is Adam West. My mm-hmm. Batman will always be Adam West. Mm-hmm. There is only one Batman, and it is Adam West. <laughs> that being said, I invite Kevin Conroy into the living room to join the Bat Family. Yes, it's just like it doesn't matter. Like whoever the Batman is, it's just like the voice that comes out of his fucking face hole is Kevin Conroy. <laughs> but seriously, yeah. And I never want that to change. Live forever, Kevin Conroy. Yeah. And then, um, shit, Mark Hamill is a fucking amazing uh, Joker. <laughs> Which- it's, a, it's a shame that, you know, doing that voice really jacks up his uh, vocal cords mm-hmm. so much. Uh, so he kind of has to step away from doing it now for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, thankfully, he was able to find his uh, fallback position in being Chucky. So at yeah. least we got that going for us. Oh, my. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> I'm in favor. Look, you're gonna get you're gonna give me a Chucky movie. Okay, mm-hmm. great. Look, they Chucky movies started off as a sort of like mm-hmm. tongue in cheek, you know, whatever '80s horror movie that people, you know, were surprised was a thing, but makes a lot of sense if you break it down. Yeah. And then as the movies progressed in the Child's Play series, it became self parody to mm-hmm. just ridiculous. Nobody. I really get the vibe that nobody really cared anymore <laughs> by the yeah. time you got to a certain point. Nobody could really believe that they were still getting paid to do this. Yeah, and I, I think that's um, what it was. I'll, Somebody I'll, snatched up the yeah. IP and just damn, you know, let's just pump these shits out. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, Seed of Chucky is an abomination. Yeah, I saw it in theaters. Um, it's <laughs> Bride of Chucky. Not the, mm. the better, not great. Um, that's why, you know, if there's a if there's a movie that could potentially potentially do something about, you know, modern capitalism and sort of American consumerism, right? Mm-hmm. And be a movie that's sort of about that using uh, metaphors and having Chucky weave his way into that world. Boy, there, there's potential there to do something real cool. Mm-hmm. It just remains to be seen exactly. if they figure it out and if they pull it off. Yeah, because like the premise of it, I mean, I get it. And I understand it is is with the times, you know, everything is tied into some mobile device or some kind of network or whatever. And they kind of plan off of that rather than, you know, the original shit with the uh, voodoo shit and the fucking possession of the doll and all this other crap. So I get that. I dig that aspect of it. But it's just like what you're saying. man. Yep. It's just like, will they pull it off? <laughs> I, you know, and you never know, you know, every time, you know, you, you're ready to write something off and then it comes out and suddenly, uh, you know, everybody around you and your social circle and your social media is all like, dude, that, 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 that was kind of good. Mm-hmm. We kind of really like that. Yeah. It's like, oh no, I dismissed it already. Mm-hmm. Am I allowed to go back and change my mind and give it a chance now? Yeah. See, and, I hope the answer is yes. And see, and that's the thing is like, long gone are the days of me saying, something sucks because I've subscribed to the theory of to where like, okay, I'm not running around this bitch with no cameras and no crew making shit. So who am I to judge? You know, you know, I'm not putting, I feel that I'm in the same camp. Well, for a long time I was uh, a much more negative and I reveled in hating things. And I guess as I got older, I, I realized that's not a personality. 
Mm-hmm. That's, that doesn't make you interesting. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, they, they talk, you know, when you talk about like being a, a troll and whatnot or a sports troll, mm-hmm. it's uh, if you don't, if you don't root for any teams, you can hate every team and then be the same to everybody, but you're a moving target because whichever team is good. Oh, I like the golden state warriors. Oh, I like the Boston Red Sox. What are you going to do about it? Your team sucks. That person blows. That person is a terrible, awful waste of humanity. Have a team. I'm a Detroit Lions fan, right? Like I wear it unabashedly. I care about the team. I, I, I look for info about the team every single day of my life. I live and die through this team. And if during football season you follow me on Twitter, you will understand that while the game is on, I am losing my gosh darn mind, right? I understand. It's going to happen. But that being said, people know where they can come at me. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so if I'm making fun of your sports team, look, I root for a team that went 0-16. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, come at me, bro. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think especially in one of the things we're seeing with the um, the, the Marvel movies mm-hmm. uh, coming to a close with Endgame, and the Game of Thrones is now coming to an end as well. Mm-hmm. And you see, I know you've seen it. All those people on social media who feel the urge to tell you that they don't watch I don't watch things. Game of Thrones. <laughs> Who gives a shit? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what? There's a lot of things I don't do. Exactly. I also don't feel the need to tell you about it because it doesn't make me interesting. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just... I don't watch sports. Great. Then why don't you instead talk about something you are into? Because I'd much rather hear about that than hear about how you don't care about the thing I like. Yeah. Because it's just that thing up to where it was just like a, a kind of a roaring thing or whatever. It was just... A... There was a small sect of people be like, I've never seen a episode of Game of Thrones. And then the fucking internet lost their goddamn mind. Now everybody else wants to say it. It's like that 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 bullshit that you see on Twitter now. All the motherfuckers popping up all of a sudden. I, you know, I fed into it in the beginning or whatever, but now it's just a fucking a, a, a trap for retweets and likes and shit. Hey, it is. I'm going on a road trip. Got any podcast recommendations? I was like, you son of a bitch. Oh my God. <laughs> I'll be honest, I unabashedly, every time I see that, I just go, you should listen to Knowing It's Half the Podcast. Uh, now I would also say you should listen to Who Would Win, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't recommend any shows that I'm not on, because yeah. to heck with that game. Yeah, man, man, it, it shit pissed me off, because like, at first, I, you know, it was just casual. It would pop up here and there. I was like, oh, one or two people, hey, maybe I can re- recruit some people over to my side, you know? And then exactly a whole bunch of motherfuckers start doing it. It's just like this person and this person, and this person. I even had somebody to go as far as to make a troll account, um, put um, a female picture on there with some big boobs or whatever, just to see the differences between <laughs> likes and retweets and shit. <laughs> I bet there were plenty. Yeah. Yeah. You know what annoys me with, uh, when podcasts do that? It's like, you are a show. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Listen to yourself. <laughs> Oh shit! But um, backtrack a little bit. I mean, um, when I hear your voice, I hear you talk. Like I said, it's with a, a whole bunch of confidence. You know, any time you're speaking and everything. Uh, what's your background, man? I mean, you know, I uh, come from uh, Detroit, which mm-hmm. is why I'm a Lions fan because no one would ever choose that for themselves. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I grew up in the Midwest and. Uh, I've done a lot of things. My, my, I had a belief at a young age, thankfully, and I, and I never talked myself out of it, which is um, you only got one go at this thing, so do everything you want to do and don't feel bad about it ever. Mm-hmm. So I made a decision that I was going to live several, several lives <laughs> in the one that I get. 
so uh, along the way, you know, I've done a lot of performing. I've done a lot of stage stuff. You know, I've done uh, recorded stuff. Um, you know, we're doing the podcast now. Um, I'm a trained professional wrestler. Uh, who, you know, had a bunch of matches whoa, 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 uh, whoa, whoa, in whoa, Michigan whoa, whoa, and here whoa, in L.A. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, we going we gonna to put a pin in well, the Well, I assumed the re- you knew that, Rob. No, What's going on? I, I did not know that. We're going to put a pin in the rest of that shit for right now. Professional <laughs> wrestling. What's going on? Uh, yeah. No, because, you know, and it's one of those things. Uh, uh, I, I, I may, Let me tell you the story. So I'm, I was a huge wrestling fan, as I'm sure everyone else in the world is, right? Yes. And you see it, you go, that looks like fun, da-da-da. I was walking through, um, I hail from Livonia, Michigan. That's my city of origin. Mm-hmm. And I'm walking through, at the time, what was the, the Livonia Mall, uh, which was a dying, dying mall. And there was a, a table with just a bunch of flyers on it, just walking by, just this old-ass table. And there was a big old flyer with a bunch of rest, like, really cheap-looking with, like, guys in spandex, and it's like wrestling show. And I went, oh, I'm going. <laughs> a local wrestling show in my hometown of Livonia, Michigan. Yes, please. And I, I, I took the flyer home, and I got, I called up my friends who we watched pay per view and wrestling and WWE together and all that. And we like a group of like I don't know three to five of us went to see this this independent show that had a, a crowd of I want to say twenty five people maybe, and it was in a hollowed out abandoned CVS pharmacy. Uh, with the roof tiles taken out, um, there was no electricity in the building, so they had to use a battery-powered boombox for mm. all of the entrance music. They had to put the ring as close to the front of the store as possible, get as much natural sunlight before the sun went down, mm. and they used the swinging door of the pharmacy as their entrance door. Mm. And let me tell you, I've never been more captivated by a show in my entire life. Oh boy! I mean, ever it was magic. That see, man, that 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 has to be the thing, man. Because like, similar for me as well. I have a minor in uh, professional wrestling as, uh, too, so it was the same thing. I was go- I was going to the commissary, motherfucking grocery store, and I see this old janky ass flyer on the window, live professional mm-hmm. wrestling in this elementary school gym. And I was like, "You fucking right, I'm going." <laughs> and that's yeah, that's in. Yeah, that's the start for me as well. <laughs> so I'm just drunk on excitement from this like eight match, two hour long, you know, ridiculously fun indie show. And me and my friends are just going crazy for everybody because we want these guys to feel appreciated. Yeah. You know, that's how you should act at those shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, dumb marks. <laughs> uh, have a good time while you're there. Don't act like you're too cool for school mm-hmm. because nobody likes you. You're the same as that guy who uh, uh, hates your team but doesn't have one themselves. Shut up. Just enjoy the show. My God. But uh, uh, there was a big thing in the window that said, uh, wrestling school, would you like to do this? And then I was like, oh, man, I want to, but I'm intimidated. Mm-hmm. But I want to because I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a reasonably large guy. I mean, I, I, I'm you know six, about 6'4". Six, and at the time, I was probably like, I don't know, 220. Okay. Um. So I was of reasonable proportions to give it a shot, and I was going to let it pass. I was just like, I don't. I talked myself out of it, and as and I'm staring at it, and I'm like, dude, and tell my friends, you see that, blah blah blah. And I actually leave the building, uh, start walking outside, and my one friend who I'd gone to see it with, uh, Tom, uh, uh, he he kind of says, hey dude, just on the slide, he's like, hey dude, if you do it, I'll do it. No, and I'm see. like, let's go back in right now. And we went, we trained at the Thunder Zone Wrestling School. Um, yeah, trained there for, I want to say, 
six to nine months, like three times a week, every week before um, uh, uh, getting our first match. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's hard. It's really, really hard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and like, um, that was supposed to be the culmination of all the um, training that I got put through. They was going to give me a match or whatever. But the, the timing of my retirement versus the timing of um, trying to get everything together. You know, you got to go do a physical and get a, a wrestling card and all this other bullshit. I couldn't get it done in time before I left. To be honest, I don't, I don't know anything about all that. Yeah, I mean, some people don't play by the book all the time, but, you know, I was in Missouri. I would argue 95% of independent wrestling does not play by the book ever. <laughs> yeah. Well, this specific area of Missouri, they they um sports commission was kind of on it. They would show up at there every you go. show, and so yeah, I couldn't get all the shit done in time, so I never got my match. I mean, it makes sense. Some places are you know some places are more regulated than others. Yeah, because like I was telling other people, man, that certain area of Missouri was like the most wrestling i ever seen in one place in my whole life they had harley races school that wasn't too far from there um they just awesome. had different independent shows running up and down that that area in springfield and freaking um st louis and just all points in between and then the little freaking federation that i was cool with that i would uh, run shows for and whatnot you know, it, it was just so much wrestling at one time. I can my brain was just like, oh, this is fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure you can tell, you know, from the way I uh, perform and carry myself and do the shows, the wrestling background is right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense to me now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would say like I, I wrestled for a few years uh, all up and down Michigan, um, loving it every time, every every chance, every show I got was magic. I was just so happy people wanted to see me. Uh, myself and my friend uh, who I trained with, uh, we became the Destroyers of the Universe. That was our tag team name because the thing was everybody wanted the egos in wrestling, especially indie wrestling, are out of control half the time. You know, a lot of major major egos at play. So one of the things nobody wanted to do was be a tag team. Mm -hmm. So you had all these guys wanting to be single wrestlers, wanting to do it themselves. And we were told early on, like, yo, if you guys want to get books consistently, work together and be a tag team. So we did. So he played the wrestling nerd, Melvin Hertz, um, <laughs> who wore, you know, thick glasses with tape on it and suspenders and like khaki shorts in the ring. Uh, and he was the quiet one who had the technical background. And this is where uh, the character of Almighty Ray was created uh, <laughs> for that. And so we were, um, uh, we primarily wrestled as comedy heels. Um, although crowds often, after they've seen us a couple of times, really liked what we were doing because we were ridiculous. Mm. Um, and so uh, uh, Almighty Ray, the loudmouth, tall idiot, and um, Melvin Hurts, the wrestling uh, uh, nerd, uh, AKA the destroyers of the universe were born and we held titles. Like we did everything, man. We had a great time, uh, wrestling that scene. Um, you know, no, nothing bad to say about it. It was really a good time. And I got to meet some fascinating and fabulous people. Um, from your time in, uh, the professional wrestling biz, it ha have you seen anybody make the come up from that? You may have wrestled like pop up on TV it's or anywhere like um, that. There's one wrestler in particular, although he probably wouldn't admit it. I don't know what happened to this guy. 
<laughs> um, the one-legged wrestler Zach Gowan. Oh yeah, all if right. you're familiar. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I was. He went to my wrestling school. He was from my hometown, also of Livonia, Michigan, and I was there for his first day of wrestling school. So I helped train. I was trained with that guy. And um, what, what's amazing, and we'll go a little behind the curtain, but uh, 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 he he started getting gigs because you know he was kind of a unique act. Yeah. And, uh, and, and he could go and he, you know, he could do moves and moonsaults. He was real fabulous. Um, but the funny thing is for like a long time, nobody wanted to put him over because they were terrified. Like I said before, the egos are very, very yeah. high. Oh. And so what I can say on the record is there was a show we did, uh, for, uh, Livonia entertainment wrestling was the name of the one off one show only promotion as it turned out. And, um, there was, uh, uh, he, Zach Gowan was supposed to wrestle, uh, one of the bookers of the show, mm-hmm. uh, uh, bless him. He, he decided he was going to put himself in the show with no training, real, <laughs> real smart. <laughs> um, and, and what happened was about, I think I sort of got two hours before the show. I'm talking to that booker and he was like sweating. He looks sick to his stomach. He was so nervous about going into a match completely untrained and unready for anything and embarrassing himself, which is what would have happened. Um, that he's like, Ray, I can't do it. I don't have another wrestler. I don't know what to do. I booked this show. I, I effed up. What's going on? And I'm just like, dude, I know I'm supposed to wrestle a tag team match later in the show. I got you, fam. I'm going to take your spot in that match, and I'll do a singles <laughs> match in the same show. Who cares, right? So I wrestled Zach Gowan. I'm the first person ever to put him over in a match because ego has no place in a wrestling circle. Yeah. Oh, it was the right thing to do. And gosh willing, he then wrestles Vince McMahon on a WWE pay-per-view. You're welcome, Zach, if you're listening. <laughs> yeah, man. P- put the man over. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, look, if you don't make the other person you're, you're with look good, then if you do defeat them, you've defeated nothing. Yeah, this is true. And I mean, you're only as it's good as your... It's just a rule your, of life. Yeah, you're only as good as your partner anyway. That's it. Plus, you don't want them to hurt you. Yeah, yeah, this is true. <laughs> this is true. All right, man. All right, so freaking acting, freaking wrestling. What what else you got in your bag of tricks? Oh man, I mean, I, I'm a. I won awards for doing Poetry Slam uh, back in the day. That was a lot of fun. Did you uh, actually writing slam original someone? pieces and performing them? Did you actually slam someone while doing poetry? Um, I slammed myself once. I uh, thought it'd be funny. Turned out it just hurt a lot. Yeah, yeah, I've been there. You know, as much as I think violence is hilarious, when you start mixing it into your comedy, people suddenly get weird. <laughs> I did a show out here. I did a sketch comedy show because I also trained at Second City um, in Detroit to do uh, improv mm-hmm. um, before I moved out to L.A. Um, and so I, when, I, when I got to L.A., I, I hooked up with a show here that now is known as Top Story Weekly. I'll give them a plug. Um, and I, and I, and I wrote a sketch way, way back in the day. This, tell me how, how this sketch aged. I wrote a sketch when Donald Trump was supposed to be on the WrestleMania against Vince McMahon. Yeah, and then yeah. the loser had to shave his head. Mm-hmm. You remember that bit? Yes, sir. I wrote this sketch because one of the other guys in the show did a tremendous Donald Trump impression. Little did we know at the time what that ended up meaning for him and his career. Mm-hmm. Um, God bless us all. We'll make it. We'll make it. I swear. Um, so uh, I'm playing Vince McMahon and he's playing Trump. And with this sketch where basically Trump comes into Vince McMahon's office and, uh, 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 says, 
Vince, I'm nervous. I, I was real happy about this match, but I can't lose my hair. Would you be interested maybe in, I don't know, rigging the match so I win? <laughs> and of course, Vince McMahon is completely outraged at the po- Why would you suggest we fix a wrestling match? That's outrageous. How dare you? <laughs> and that's the general timbre of the sketch. Um, but the thing ends with Trump leaving stage. And then I taught the actor who played Trump uh, uh, to give a chair shot. Oh. So you see where this is going. He sneaks back up on stage while I'm monologuing as Vince McMahon, takes the folding chair, winds it up real good for the audience, and drills me perfectly in the, in the back with the chair. And I collapse like a sack of moldy tangerines. Oh, man. And I've never enjoyed a moment on stage more because the audience was not ready for an act of brutality on stage. The sound and the thud that it made when it hit me was beautiful, and I sold it like a crazy person. So the audible gasp from this comedy audience will forever fill my heart with joy. (laughs) I used to randomly hit people with chairs just because. Yeah, I had to stop doing that. Yeah, I I got some. It wasn't chairs. I would randomly hit people from behind with my forearm. Just walk behind them, you know, and you're like in line or something. You just like, boom, and you just like hit them. Uh, They didn't like that, though. Yeah, I freaking, I used to take the folding chairs and I would just um, walk up and pow, right on the back. Yeah. And uh, I mean, if you do it right, it's beautiful. Yeah, the only reason I didn't do it uh, anymore because I, I hit somebody pretty big and they gave me the death stare and I was just like, all right, I'm gonna stop doing this shit. <laughs> well, it's generally best if you have an agreement with that person ahead of time. Well, yeah, see, yeah, I just did it at, at on a whim, just like I pick up, I, I couldn't help myself. I seen a folding chair, I was like, huh, fold it up, bam, right across the back. And I'm like, yeah, there's a life lesson there, and it says, um, you shouldn't pick fights with strangers. Because they are strangers, and you have no idea who they are, where they come from, or what they are about. So when you when you uh, get in a mood and you want to pick a fight, always do it with somebody you know very well. Yeah, I, I known these people, but they didn't know me to want to hit them with a chair on a whim. <laughs> well, that's very very fair. Very very fair. Um, so I got a little bit of time left uh, uh, before I got to go here, but uh, let's definitely take a moment and talk about the Who Would Win show for sure. Oh, I forgot you did that. <laughs> I mean, also, that's a thing I do as well. Uh, <laughs> a show that you enjoy. Yeah. Um, yeah. How, how did that even be- come into being for you or whatever? I mean, did, re- I mean, did they reach out to you or what, what, what was going on? Was there a talent They search? reached out to me. <laughs> Um, well, you know, it, it, we, uh, there, me, James Gadsey, uh, who, who is the uh, executive producer slash host of the Who Would Win show, mm-hmm. um, he and Jay Sandlin had worked out that he was going to be leaving the show mm-hmm. and Jay was going to get his own show. Mm-hmm. This was a thing that was going to happen. Um, it was just this was the next evolution for both of them. Like this, this is how life works, right? Yeah. This is just what happened. The only, the only constant is change. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was left saying, you know, Jay's going off to do his own show, the what happens next podcast, mm-hmm. um, which I absolutely have listened to. You guys should too. Check it out. Jay's an amazing talent. Um, and James was left, you know, I need to put to get a, get a host. And so a mutual friend of ours who I knew from uh, the, the sketch comedy scene here, and, uh, and he knew because he had worked before uh, Meg, Meg Ryan, mm-hmm. um, 
not that Meg Ryan. <laughs> I was about Meg to say, Ryan. wait a minute. Um, that'd be amazing. Yeah, wild. Um, yeah, but uh, she ha- reached out to me, and she's like, hey, Ray, there's this show, and do you think you would be able, like, she's like, she knows I do podcasts, and she knows I perform, and she knows I shout a lot, and she's like, do you think you could argue nerd stuff on a podcast? That, that's basically how it was framed to me, what? and I'm like, I have trained my entire life to argue nerd things on a podcast. <laughs> I, I am as they built me to do just that one thing. Um, and so, um, yeah, so basically, uh, I, I, she reached out to James for me and gave him my contact info. And he reached out to me and we had a, a conversation on the phone. And immediately, I think we gelled pretty good. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up having, now this is a little, you know, I've, I've been waiting to share the story until I was on a show such as yours. Oh, sweet. I appreciate uh, it. This is very exciting. Uh, I met up with um, uh, James and a, a producer of the show, a different producer of the show, who I will not name, mm-hmm. uh, but another producer of the show, who's not important, <laughs> <laughs> behind the scenes people. Um, and so we met up at a, 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 a hamburger restaurant uh, over my lunch period from work. Because uh, that's the only time I could really meet them that would be working for any of us. Mm-hmm. And so we had like an impromptu, and I didn't know what was going to happen, but we had sort of an impromptu who would win audition right there on the spot while I was talking about, you know, his vision for the show oh, and snap. what I could bring to the table and my background, you know, like a job interview, right? Yeah. And it, all of a sudden it was like, hey, we're going to do this impromptu who would win battle right now. And I'm like, uh, all right. Man. And he said, okay, we're going to do Abraham Lincoln versus George Washington. Uh, go <laughs> with basically that much time to prepare see, see man and and that's i can appreciate that because like in my mind before you even started telling me that story i kind of figured like james probably put you on the spot and damn you know challenged your intellect or some shit right there and i was like you damn sure Immediately. <laughs> yep he said you got george washington ray go so i started just go i started riffing i started going with it you know i was talking about you know swinging the axe at the cherry tree and about how he's a brilliant military strategist because he won the Revolutionary War. And, of course, James counters back with Lincoln, being that he was taller uh, and that he, uh, he used to wrestle, so he would have a lot more grappling ability. And we just, we just like, blew the doors off this hamburger restaurant <laughs> with an impromptu who would win battle. And so at the end of the battle, it's like, okay, man, we'll be in touch. We'll talk to you. Cool. Uh, I end up talking with James not too much longer later, and he's like, Ray, uh, I think you're it. I think we want you to be on the show. Mm-hmm. And I said, cool, because I think I want to be on the show. So this will work out well for both of us. Yeah, so now uh, I believe what y'all have the advantage of doing the show together because, like, y'all actually in the same place, right? Correct. Everybody involved in the show is here in Los Angeles. Before I came on board, they did, like, this three-way yeah. Skype recording and like uh, you know jay was in alabama yeah and crystal storm who's amazing i have crystal storm's amazing yeah and she was in orlando and then james is out here in la and you know and nobody you know uh, the, the sound diff- quality is hard to get right yeah well i'm sure you know i probably sound terrible right now given what i'm doing to you god bless you <laughs> but um yeah it's, it's real hard to get a show that sounds crisp and like a studio atmosphere mm-hmm. if everybody's not together It's just the reality of it, you know, which was one of the main reasons why they wanted to make some changes. Um, uh, uh, Once, you know, they realized Jay was going to get his own show. It's like, I don't want to, I don't want to like get another guy in another city. I need somebody here in Los Angeles so we can kind of make this vision come true. Yeah. 
And that's, that was three different time zones as well. <laughs> yeah. Imagine trying to, it's hard enough to book two people who are living together, much less three people with differing lives in a different, uh, uh, <laughs> in a different uh, uh, time zone. Forget yeah. it. Yeah, I, I'm going to um, put in uh, my two cents about the Who Will Win podcast. Um, Please do. I, I am the reason why this show is PG. Because um, <laughs> I, I, I guessed it on there uh, a couple times, and um, my mouth. I knew you were a judge once. I have not listened to those episodes yet, but I, I do know that you were there. Yeah, and my mouth is very filthy, so um, <laughs> they, they didn't clue me in ahead of time. You know, so, well, you got to do that. So um, I, I do my foreign filth and foreign language and all that shit, and um, I go back and listen to the episode, and I'm just like, yeah, man, you. Yeah, and you, and you're like a fucking uh, a clean mixtape or some shit. And I was like, wait a minute, I know I had a joke. Oh no, you got the radio edit. Yeah. So um, I, I talked to him about it. He's like, yeah, we didn't, we didn't know our show needed to be PG thirteen until you came on. So I, I take great pride in that. <laughs> I love it. I mean, to be fair, it makes sense for the show. I mean, you know, to to do it that way because you are, you know, you're you are appealing to all all ages and demographics with yeah. the show. So you got to be. You know, you got to be careful about what you're saying and how you're saying it. Yeah. And like that was kind of earlier on. So I didn't, you know, get the grasp of what they was trying to accomplish or whatever. I was just showing up there to be, right. there, you know, Dude, you're just there to do a show. You don't know what's going on. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that, that's, but, uh, it's fucking crazy. It's not fun. just that, though. I mean, this is why one of the things I do on the show and I do gleefully is I like to say words that sound dirty, mm-hmm. but aren't <laughs> so when we did the Spawn versus Captain Marvel battle, mm-hmm. and I found out that I got to say the word necroplasm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I lived in that moment. Yes. Or you can just simply say moist. <laughs> uh, I will say moist all day, every day. Thank you. I don't see why that, be, that became like a taboo word or whatever. People are like, you can't say moist. I say, it's a fucking word. Of course I can say it. Yeah, it's not a dirty word. It refers to cakes first and foremost, and yeah. cakes are fine. Yeah, or something damp, you know? Yeah, I mean, it literally could be anything. Yes. People just making it out to be something evil. Bastards. <laughs> Thank you. It really says more about that person than it does you for saying it, That, if I may. Yes, exactly. Um, with with um, who will win and everything, I know in his earlier incarnations and whatnot, um, they attempted some live shows and whatnot. Uh, have y'all been prepping to do anything like that, or y'all just kind of, you know, keeping it in the studio for right now? Um, yeah. Well, the the hope is to do some live shows down the road. Uh, right now, what we're doing is we're trying. I mean, if I, I'll, I'll let you look behind the curtain, we're trying a couple of different ways to do the show to see what works the best yeah. for the show and for us personally. Mm-hmm. So when the, we first started recording, you know, we had the very talented Amira was our engineer. Oh, Ms. And Ms. Uh, Ms. Uh, we had you know, people in the studio like watching with us and that we asked to ask the audience for commentary. Mm-hmm. And we were trying a whole bunch of different things. You know, we had a, uh, we had another person who was, you know, acting as like a hype man, yeah. <laughs> you know, during the show. And we tried a whole bunch of different stuff. And, you know, what we found was a whole bunch of stuff that was fun, but we don't think it necessarily added to the show. Mm-hmm. And um, we wanted to, you know, through doing that, we discovered, okay, we don't think this worked. 
you know, we, you know, we, we think this works, so we want to do this or this works, but not quite how we're doing it right now, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and so I think one of the things that uh, sometimes an audience can lose track of is, you know, we don't, we're not necessarily a hundred percent polished all the time. We're trying things and we're looking for uh, feedback. If an aspect of the show um, that, that is hitting with people or not hitting with people, mm-hmm. uh, if you intelligently raise those opinions, you will be listened to. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so through that now we've got our, uh, 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 we, we've kind of agreed on pulling the show back slightly different way of doing it, which is, uh, uh, you know, more, more centered, more focused on uh, me and James mm-hmm. and being in the studio. Uh, we've got a new studio now uh-huh. uh, that we're working with. Um, and we've got a, a guy named Mike, uh, who's wonderful, mm-hmm. uh, who's working as our engineer now, trying out some different moderators and judges. Yeah. And like I say, uh, uh, we're trying some stuff and, uh, I really, really like where we are with the show right now. Um, I really think that if you kind of boil the show down to its essence a little bit, we tried some stuff and we tried some of the interaction and kind of getting it ready for a live show, like you said. Um, and now we're sort of bringing it back to its to its like purity, if you will. Mm-hmm. Word, I can dig it. And I, and I'm real happy with that. I'm real happy with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm um still waiting on my spawn versus the Green Lantern match. <laughs> well, considering that we in the last couple of months have done both spawn and the Green Lantern, I wouldn't hold my breath for a while. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean. I, I, uh, no, can I say, can I, here's, a, I'll, I'll let you look behind the curtains. Like, uh, I'm one of the happiest things uh, uh, that I feel that I'm helping bring to the table is in the Who Would Win show is, uh, uh deepening the pool of characters that we are choosing from, mm-hmm. uh, and, and kind of moving beyond just hardcore Marvel and DC comics yeah. and, and the most iconic, like Darth Vader and stuff. I really like to open the door a little bit wider yeah. and include more, you know, video game characters. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, include people from their own universes and uh, uh, X, Y, and Z. I've got a list, at least two dozen uh, characters long that I want to work into battles. Yeah. And now it's just a matter of working through and seeing who's appropriate for each matchup uh, 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 based on kind of what's going on. Yeah. Uh, one of the matchups I was real excited about doing, and I pitched it, and I, and I wanted to do it, and I was, I was told no was Green Lantern, uh, so it was that battle, except inst- instead of the character I ended up representing, I wanted to represent uh, Rick Sanchez from the Rick and Morty show. <laughs> so it would have been Green Lantern versus Rick Sanchez. And it w- in my mind, this battle would have been phenomenally crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but James vetoed it because he says, Ray, I would lose that battle. Because if Rick Sanchez's big thing is battlefield removal, and Green Lantern has no answer to that whatsoever, yeah. if Rick traps him in another dimension with his portal gun. Yeah. And in my head, I was like, oh, James, I had no idea. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. Really? Oh, I hadn't even thought of that. Wild. Uh, so instead, I ended up coming back saying, okay, you don't want to do that. How about I do Voldemort from the Harry Potter universe, and we do Green Lantern versus Voldemort. And I'm sure on paper... James looked at that matchup and said, oh, yeah, Green Lantern's going to destroy him. Are you kidding me? He's one of the most powerful beings, blah, 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 blah. So he agrees to the battle. We do the battle, and I win because I had a great strategy for coming at him using the specifics of Voldemort's spells to disarm Green Lantern and take him down. And it worked with our moderator, 
and uh, uh, the internet went slightly crazy in tears and sadness and crying because I did what they thought could not be done. Maybe that battle was even better. Yeah, that was a pretty good one. Um, also, what kind of screwed him in that is his uh, his son kind of sided with you too. So, <laughs> look, I'm not going to say I'll use anything at my disposal to win these battles, but it is very important to me that I win these battles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you talking about um, kind of randomizing things and whatnot, and um, kind of breaking the mold that the, um, the show kind of fell into. Um, I thought the uh, T T800 what versus uh, the mountain was pretty good. I love that episode. Yes, I won that one too. <laughs> Noticing the theme. Uh, here, yes, huh? the mountain from Game of Thrones versus the Arnold Schwarzenegger Terminator from Terminator One. Uh, in a bare knuckles brawl, no weapons matchup because when we looked at it on paper, uh, we went back and forth before we kind of came up with this matchup. Um, that seemed that seemed right. But it was like, but the Terminator uses like machine guns and the mountain has a sword. So on paper, this will never work. So I kind of said, why don't we just take the weapons away and let them fight barehanded and let's go for it. James on board. He said, let's do it, baby. And then I won again. So, you know, what I'm trying to say is I'm pretty great. Thank you. Yes, you're you're welcome, sir. But um, I think um go ahead and yeah. put a pin in it here. I know you got um, some no, things no. you need to do. Yeah, I got I got I got a couple more minutes here. Uh, but with any uh, other questions, I'd love to answer these questions. This uh, this show brings me joy. So please let me share my joy with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, shit. So are you keeping up with the current product of professional wrestling? No, uh, not really at all. I haven't for. Like five years at least, you know, and I was a guy who watched every episode of everything. Um, I watched every pay-per-view. I was, you know, on board. And it's just, it's a crazy thing that when you actually do it and, you know, you live in that world. Yeah. I am far more interested in what's happening down the street at my local VFW hall uh, than I am what's going on on national TV. Um, and it's been all the complaints about the WWE that people are saying today are the same complaints people were saying 20 years ago. <laughs> Wrestling fans and their opinion of the sport will never change. Mm. <laughs> they will always be the same. They'll never be happy with who's, you know, who's got the title, who's getting pushed, the angles, the characters, the storylines. Nothing has changed. All the stuff, every time I kind of poke in and try to see what's going on, people are saying the exact same words in the exact same way as they were saying back in the mid-90s. So... That at least fills me with hope that life is eternal and nothing changes. Yeah. Okay. I dig it. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's hard to keep up with the current product. It's not even like I think it's bad. I think these guys are phenomenally talented. It's just how many magicians do you see buying front row tickets at a magic show? True. I got you. You know, I mean, like, it's just one of those things. Like, it's sort of like I, I'm, I know it and I see it and I understand it. Like, it's a really cool thing, a really cool thing about it. When I watch a wrestling match or a pay-per-view or what have you, I've got a pretty good handle on, like, what they're doing, why they're doing it, how they're doing it. And I'm kind of see, seeing it from the how the sausage is made angle, right? Yeah. The problem with that is all of the mystery and emotion and all that is completely sucked out of you, which turns it into more of a cerebral experience than a, a, a guttural one. And the guttural one is way hundred times more fun than the cerebral one. Mm -hmm. The cerebral assassin? 
So, you know, I mean, sure, we've all been there. <laughs> Man. What was that Chris Benoit? Was that who that was? No, that was Triple H. <laughs> Triple H, thank you, dear Lord. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But in some, I'm like, oh, the Canadian crippler. That's what I was thinking yeah, of. But in some ways, he was an assassin. So moving on. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't even think we're allowed to say his name out loud. In fact, could you bleep that from the podcast, please? Thank you. Yeah, we can't say it three consecutive times. He might appear. No, that'll strangle you. Oh shit! What is happening right now? Yeah, what is happening? Right now? <laughs> I don't know. You're tell- you're pulling the worst impulses out of me, Rob. What's going on? Uh, in game, how do you feel as um the whole Marvel saga has uh slowly rolled to an end? Because I I don't think it's completely over until we see Spider Man. But how do you feel as the whole twenty three movie saga has uh concluded? Uh, it's magic. It's wonderful. It's I mean they did it and they did it well and everyone should love it. Mm-hmm. You know when I hear somebody say, "Oh, I don't, I'm not into the Marvel movies," I go so. How long have you been horrible? Like, what is the point of living? Like, go for it. Enjoy it. It's there to be consumed and enjoyed. And it's wonderful. The worst Marvel movie is better than, uh, you know, the, uh, most things that are out there for you, made for you, you know? I mean, you look at some of these other movies, and not to take anything away from them, but there's other people that have tried to do superhero movies that can't rise to the level of some of the worst of the Marvel movies, quote unquote, right? Yeah. So, love it. Love it all. Like, Endgame was a religious experience, honestly. Like, if you were a fan of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Endgame is literally a movie that is to take you as a trip down memory lane just from the way they structured it without spoiling anything. Do you like this? Here's this. A lot of this. And here's a bunch of stuff that you will like. And we're going to end it. Yay. <laughs> I mean, it's great. Yeah, now... Um... It's, it's an Avengers movie. It's wonderful. But I, let me say right now, anybody who thinks the MCU is done is fooling themselves. Oh, yeah. Because all they're going to do is they're going to take out a handful of the characters. They've got decades of Marvel storylines they can roll with. You mm-hmm. know, they hit some of the big ones. Sure, there's plenty left. And not only that, but uh, they now they have the rights to the X-Men, Fantastic Four, Deadpool. Yep. And now they can do round two of another 10-year cycle centering around Spider-Man as the de facto leader. <laughs> and you know what? They're probably going to make 22 more amazing movies that are going to uh, have a beautiful story arc again with Dr. Doom and Galactus or something. So mm-hmm. this yeah. is here to stay. This is great. Yeah. I don't, I mean, let me look at Marvel end games. Um, let me look at the box office receipts. Yeah. I think they're going to make another one of those. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, it, it kind of goes with um, what you were saying about the Batman animated series. They had one guy at the top, that was just kind of overseeing this thing, just uh, making sure everything was yep. covered in the line and everything. And uh, Marvel has that in Kevin Feige. Mm-hmm. And uh, whether he decides to come on for round two of the of the story, or um, I, I have to believe the people there are way smarter than I am. They have a plan. So if he's not going to take the reins of a second uh, 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 giant story arc and make himself another $10 billion or whatever he has now, um, what I would say is, They've got somebody else in mind, or they've been grooming somebody for the last X number of years to come in and take his place at the head of the mountain, and it, it's gonna it's gonna be great. I these are the ultimate top of their craft, everything <laughs> because they can afford to get that. Yeah, and they're and they're gonna make movie magic again. So anybody sitting at home is just like, well, that's done. No, 
it, they're, look, they're building an Avengers theme park at uh, a California yeah. Adventure in Disneyland. They're not planning to let the MCU go cold overnight after making $2 billion in 11 days, okay? Yes, this is true. Now, um, best case scenario for you, uh, this next crop of movies, this next phase in um, MCU, what is your best case scenario? Yeah. Um, I, I'd love it, you know, uh, uh, I'd love it if somebody could figure out how to do the Fantastic Four right. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, this, not the most recent reboot, because we don't talk about that, but um, the one before that had Michael Chiklis and yeah. uh, uh, Chris Evans as the Human Torch, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and the other two, uh, was it, uh, oh my God, I'm blanking on their names, but the guy who was from the show Forever as Mr. Fantastic, who was wonderful, and then Jessica Alba, I think, yeah. as Invisible Woman, that cast is magic. Those four performers were perfect for doing those roles. So it really upsets me that they messed up Dr. Doom. They got Dr. Doom completely wrong. Yeah. Um, and they just went the wrong direction with him and, and made him kind of a farce of what he should be. He should be a Thanos level monster, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and it just, it kills me that they wasted for two movies. And then the first, you know, the first Fantastic Four movie, I give like a B minus. It's yeah. not even bad. It's yeah. just, it could be more. And then the Silver Surfer movie is like a C minus, you know? It's not terrible. It's just not enough, you know? Yeah. And so uh, I'm kind of mad that they wasted uh, that cast. And they had Chris Evans in house and couldn't figure out what to do with him. Are you kidding me right now? Yeah, this is true. You had Captain America in house and you blew it. Now, do you think uh, anyway. do you think those movies were kind of like uh, crippled by the um, technology at their disposal at the time? Do you think if they would have made no. those, d- just just saying, I, whole, I don't. Yeah, I about to say because I about to say in an alternate reality, let's just say like um, Marvel didn't pan out the way it is now, and they had those same exact characters, those same exact actors, but they made it now here in 2019. Do you think that would have changed anything? If they had that same cast of four actors in the year 2019, but at that age from back then, and they were part of the Disney Marvel MCU, it would be amazing. It would be a, a fantastic movie. I hope that they can find a cast to equal that one, uh, uh, God willing, you know, surpass it. I don't know. I love that cast. Um, what I, I don't think it was the technology or anything like that that blew it. I think it was the poor characterization and poor storytelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't think the story like again they messed up Doctor Doom real bad. Yeah, just didn't they got the character's whole concept wrong? <laughs> you know they didn't all the cool things with Doctor Doom they left on the floor, and instead you end up with a shell of what this character should be. He might as well have been wearing tinfoil on his head. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's so much there that, and there was so much source material to draw from. How do you mess that up? I don't know. One of the best things that the MCU did is they completely drew everything from the source material. They did not think they were smarter than 50 years of Marvel. True. Yeah. Cause like, um, so, I don't know me, me not knowing a lot of the source material and seeing these movies. It, I mean, it still blows my freaking mind how well they did overall. Yeah. And it's, it's all on the page. That's the crazy thing. The first Avengers movie, Loki getting the staff with the, that's all from the comics. You know, like they didn't, they didn't have to reinvent the wheel. They were like, we have decades of fantastic stories. Let's just kind of meld it into this thing we want and kind of bend it a little bit here and there where we need to. 
but it's already it already stands up on its own, you know. Yeah, and then you know you make the tweaks here and there for a film and whatnot. I mean, I mean it's because you can't give them exactly everything. Nope. I mean, and you wouldn't want to. Yeah, because that's how the, um it is with The Walking Dead or whatever. I mean, they pull straight from the source right. material, but they change things up just to you know keep you guessing. And I, I kind of like that, honestly. When you have something that's you know a little more you know current. Um, you know, if you're pulling from a Marvel comic book from the sixties, I think not as many people are just going to know that mm-hmm. than something that came from 10 years ago that is still easily findable at your local comic book store. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of like walking dead. I know that's like not, you know, not necessarily the hot opinion, but like, uh, uh I, I think they're doing, I think they do a good job. Now, I haven't watched the last season. I'm not going to lie. Um, but I, up to that point, I've, I've enjoyed generally everything I've seen. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, um, I really enjoy it. Anyway, Rob, I, I, I got to get moving here. So any last things uh, uh, to mention or uh, 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 what's going on? Uh, you're awesome. And, uh, no, you're awesome, sir. I want I want more of you, so I'm going to listen to both of your podcasts now. And oh, I appreciate that. Before you ride off into that good night, let everybody know where they can find you on social media and those two uh, mentioned Absolutely. shows. Yeah, um, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Almighty Ray, and that's one L for you heathens who can't spell. Um, you can also go to at Who Would Win Show uh, on Twitter. Uh, that's the show. And also, knowing us at the podcast is on Twitter, at G.I. Joe Podcast. Should be pretty straightforward. You can also do this up on Facebook, facebook.com slash knowing us at the podcast. And if you want to support the show on Patreon, you don't have to. If you just want to listen to the show, trust me, I appreciate that plenty enough. Mm-hmm. But if you would like to go the extra step and get uh, over 50 more episodes of Knowing Us Half the Podcast um, and be part of that, you can go to patreon.com slash knowing us half the podcast, and I will not turn you away. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't either. Um, yeah, and so you can find us on iTunes, you know, anywhere you podcast, essentially it should all be mirrored. Either look up hashtag who would win, or you can look up Knowing Us Half the Podcast. Both of those shows will uh, and then hit us up on Twitter. Let us know that you heard uh, heard me here and that you gave the show a chance. Even if you hate it, give the show a chance and tell me you hate it. I'll at least appreciate that you listened. Yeah. I mean, shit. I, I say the exact same thing. I mean, if you're going to leave a review four stars and below, I mean, give me some constructive criticism, please. <laughs> give me the opportunity yeah, to ignore worse, you. Is there anything worse than an iTunes uh, review that's just like, just don't like it? Well, help me out. You could make my show better by getting my attention with this review, and you wasted it. You wasted two seconds of my attention that you'll ever get in life. <laughs> you made the world a worse place. Thank you, sir. <laughs> and knowing that is half the battle. No, and then I will say, like, that's one thing. Oh, that's 100% true. Uh, one last thing I'll say is, you know, one of the things I've been, I've been blessed at, and I, I started to say this at the top of the show, is, is the Who Would Win uh, fan base is rabid, yes. and they are wild, yes. and they are highly big smart, more so than me, assuredly. And they uh, love the show, they love the battles, and uh, uh, I'm just, I feel, uh, uh, having done the show now for, I think, about three months now, I think we're just, we just fit, we're just in the process of finishing up our uh, uh, 12th episode together, uh, which is The Tick versus Jessica Jones. Ooh. Which is very, very exciting. Yeah, yeah. I'm very excited for that battle. Um, check that one out on iTunes. Um, but uh, 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 so when I came onto the show, we were flooded with uh, really, really good reviews. Um, I want to say something like over the last month, they've picked up like 50 five-star reviews. 
um, since I joined the show. And, and, and I take that as a personal, like, welcoming from the show's audience. Uh, so to them, I can only say thank you. Uh, I'm blessed to be able to do what I do for the show. And I just, I appreciate even the, the fools who think I'm wrong on the show. Yeah. I appreciate that you're there being a part of it. Yeah. And that's fucking awesome. Hashtag Ray, Ray is right. Yes. Yes. This is true. You should make that a shirt. That should be on your Amazon store. Um, oh, if you don't think I'm on the horn with James Gabsy, a hundred percent of every single day telling him we need a hashtag Ray is right shirt. You don't know me very well. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, once again, I appreciate you stopping on by, giving me your time, chatting with me and whatnot, fellow wrestling compadre. And um, hell yeah. And um, yeah, man. The door is always open for you to come on back in to promote whatever you got going on, or just to shoot the shit. Oh, I appreciate that very, very much. Um, you know, when we just do the live shows, we'll come back on and we'll we'll pimp them for you word hey um if y'all do get to traveling and doing things make sure one of your stops is houston uh, me me and james talked Hell about yeah. this a while back so uh you know i, I got a room here y- y'all can crash at the crib you ain't gotta do no hotel expenses or whatnot don't say that i'll, I'll be over tonight <laughs> oh, okay I, I won't say it then <laughs> <laughs> all right well thank you so much for having me on the show man i appreciate it and you have a beautiful night all right and that was Ray Stacanus. Damn, you just you just heard him hang up on the Skype call. But uh, yeah, man, I I told you, man, I heard this dude voice for the first time. I heard the confidence in it. Just you know, in, in all his uh, musings and whatnot, I was just like, I need to talk to that dude. And as as it is with anybody that I have on the show, I hear something or I see something they do, and I'm like, I need to talk to that person. You need to be over here on the three R show. And we need to chop it up with paper like the homies do or die. Look it up. <laughs> but uh, yeah, look him up on um, the Who Would Win podcast with James Gabsy. And then you can also listen to his podcast with his two co-hosts that I don't remember right off the top of my head. But is uh, the Knowing is Half the Battle podcast. Great shows, great people all involved all around. And I highly recommend it. If you're listening to this episode right now, I am at Comic Palooza. Yes, I am at Comic Palooza. I'm recording this um, early on in the week so I can get it out the way and chop down and edit it out so you can be listening to it. Because all weekend, I'm going to be at Comic Palooza, May 10th, May 11th, May 12th. Daggone, from the time the doors open to the time the doors close. I doubt if I'm be there that long, but I'm going to be there. Uh, a substantial amount of time or I have been there a substantial amount of time because this would be a Sunday when you're hearing this and um, look forward to maybe the next episode to where you hear all about the comic palooza things and follow me on Instagram because you'll be seeing me uh, freaking taking photos and videotaping and whatnot I'm videotaping like I'm going to have a camcorder in this bitch goddamn VHS <laughs> uh, all on um, comic palooza floor and whatnot so uh, be checking me on social media, baby. Um, at it's B Rob I T S B R O B, professional wrestling and any other gender shenanigans. Talk, talk, talk. That's the way you do it. Um, this show on Twitter at three R Show, and um, Instagram. Just look up a uh, random rounds with Rob or three R Show. What fuck? 
don't look up 3R Show unless you're using the hashtag 3R Show because they got that one punk motherfucker on Instagram, nigga ass. 3R Show, and I can't get it from them, but I'm going to get it. I got a plan. I done dispelled a little bit of my, 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 my schemes to a couple of people, and I have a way I'm going to get that damn 3R Show freaking account name on Instagram. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Anyway. Go to randomrobcast.com. Uh, find many different ways that you can support the show. Um, you can use Amazon links. You can dag on um, become a Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. Um, if you don't want to support the show monetarily, um, you can purchase things for the show uh, via Amazon wish lists. And um, you can purchase merchandise, hats, shirts, buttons, freaking stickers, koozies, all that stuff. On random ramblings, damn, I can't talk. <laughs> Randomrobcast.com forward slash merch. Um, what else? You shit, if you want to just donate cash to the show, you can do so on Cash App and PayPal. Just look up 3R Show. And um, one final thing I would say in support of the show you don't have to give me a dime of your hard earned money, you know. Those things are out there for you to partake in if you choose so, if you have the coin to do so. I mean, it's not a requirement to listen or support the show. The most important way that you can support this show is doing what you're doing right now. Listening, liking, subscribing, retweeting, freaking writing those five star reviews. I can't tell you the last time I got a five star review or a review in general. I need some more of them. But writing those reviews, five stars. Um, if it's anything below five, leave some comments, leave some feedback. Help me help you. I'm doing this for you. You helping me to help you. So, yeah, randomrobcast.com, all those different ways to support the show. Write those reviews, like, share, make sure the people's listenings and whatnot. And that's about it. Comic Palooza, baby. It's, it's, it's should be done by the time this episode is over, but I might still be there while this episode is airing i'm just in the thick of things just walking around rubbing elbows with billy zane (laughs) but uh yeah that's it um i'll see you next time